a big thing about the appeal for autistic people is the ability to categorize and collect and research. Because I've, I've, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, we autistic people, we need our libraries. We need our museums. We need our animals. We need our gardens. And we our Excel our- spreadsheets, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because we have to have all of the data. We need to understand the world around us, uh, especially with, you know, the whole... Uh, uh, intense world theory, making the world chaotic for us. We thrive on understanding. We thrive on this monotropic focus into great detail about the world around us. Episode 16, Pokemon is Autistic. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Hey, Angela. What's your favorite Pokemon? Well, obviously, Matt, I got to catch them all. So I don't like to play favorites here, but I will tell you I am a secret Charizard fan. I think Pikachu is a little, it's a little much. It's a little too Harajuka for me, but I love me some Charizard. I got, I got. Charizard? Yes. Charizard is an excellent choice. I'm all about, uh, especially Ultra Charizard, Mm. which is a a, definitely a dragon type. Power Uh, up. Oh, yes. I, I think that uh, my favorite is Shaman, which is a, a hedgehog Pokemon, but my son is definitely an Eevee fan. Oh, I love and Eevee. I love Eevee. I get excited when I get Eevee. It's like, a, it's an, it's, yes, it's a friendly Pokemon. And versatile because of uh, all the different evolutions. But that's the thing, because there's so many Pokemon, you definitely want to catch them all. You do want to catch them all. I want to be the very best. Like no one ever was? Exactly. How did you know? You're on to me. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm a Pokemon dork, but I really like, it was one of the few highlights of parenting. Parenting is very hard for me, but when my kid got into Pokemon Go, I was like, oh my God, I love this. And like, we would go out at 2 a.m. to go like build a gymnasium or something. I was like, it was me driving it maybe more than him. So it was a, it was a highlight of parenting. And that's the big thing because there's so many things about Pokemon that are appealing to autistic people. And uh, so I started looking into this way back. So my story, uh, I've been uh, playing Pokemon since Red and Blue in the 90s. So that was the original like cards, the card deck. Uh, uh, the the original video game back when it uh, the the oh I didn't I even was know there. there was a video game oh you are oh, yeah, yeah. kicking it old school Pokemon very old school as soon as the original Game Boy game came out I was there oh and wait I it, do it, remember it was Game Boy I can kind of picture that. Yeah, yeah. It it was originally Game Boy because uh, Nintendo did not have enough faith in it to put it on a mainline system. But Satoshi Tajiri, the creator of Pokemon, thought that the Game Boy would have been best anyway. So I, I was there at the beginning, and I have been playing it ever since. I... When I was working in the schools, I, I was known for, let's say... Uh, 
using some creative tricks to uh, gain shiny and legendary Pokemon through less than legitimate means. But this was back in the day uh, because uh, back before hash checks and all this other stuff. So I accumulated a great number of Pokemon that could be rarely obtained. And then I gave them to my autistic kids as rewards for doing really great things. I love that. So wait, at the beginning, what? because it's a very complex ecosystem. I don't know how much we'll get into it today, oh, but yeah. there are a lot of characters and levels of characters. And um, But was it, was it more simplified at the Game Boy level? Like how similar is it? How much has it evolved? Oh, uh, quite a bit, actually, because the original, uh, you still had stats, uh, EVs, IVs, but they weren't explicit. They, they were built into the code. Ah. Uh, EVs, uh, experience values, IVs. Oh, man, I, I'm blanking on it. But but anyway, it, it changed how Pokemon performed, how they grew, uh, how they evolved, and how, uh, with the second generation, how they bred with other Pokemon to create new Pokemon. Ah, got it. So... In all of this, you know, it was very, very hard to say obtain a shiny Mew because <laughs> such things, uh, because shiny values, uh, th- there is a certain randomness to catching a shiny Pokemon with a different color scheme and all this other stuff. Again, the way of our people, we need to collect all the shinies. Collect because, them all and especially yes. the shiny ones. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so I, I uh, created a whole bunch before there were such things as hash checks and before, you know, before Nintendo became savvy to these sort of things and put in, you know, things to mm. prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, when kids were having a bad day or when kids were doing really well, I would bring my uh, Nintendo uh, back in the day, Game Boy Advance to school and I would give them a Pokemon. Mm. And this became a, a really big motivator because it helped me bond with people. It We played together. We battled together. And after I left the school and got a new job, I went to this training led by a neurotypical person about autism. Oh, and my I favorite. I will never forget this. My favorite. Autistic exactly. trainings run by holistic people. Mm, bring it on. Exactly. <laughs> and this this man uh, said Pokemon, Digimon, whatever, because he couldn't differentiate between the two he said and i quote there's a special place in hell for the person who created pokemon because of the obsession it causes in children with autism and being an autistic person and by uh, obsession you mean joy and fun is that that's the thing that's the (laughs) thing no more joy and fun for autistic people this is the thing that kills me because i was attending this with colleagues and i was not out at the time i was deeply Mm. in the neuro closet out of a sense of safety because again we live in a very biased world that has certain views and at the time the people i was working with were under the impression that autistic people could not be professional so i did not feel safe in revealing myself so i i uh, simply said you know the creator of pokemon is autistic and just you know, left, left it at, it at that, that because, <laughs> yeah, because that's that's very very hard to educate people who are not willing to be educated. Mm-hmm. And and this is one thing about Satoshi Tajiri, the creator of Pokemon, because well, I should preface this by saying that uh, even though the entire internet re- uh, refers to him as being autistic or diagnosed Aspergers. Mm. The, the original source of this claim uh, was apparently on MySpace, which has since been deleted. Oh. But again, uh, one thing about being Japanese and potentially being autistic, there is a ton of stigma in Asian culture about being autistic. In, in black and brown communities especially, there are stigmas about autism as related to the ability to be successful. Mm. And in, a, in, in the Japanese community, that is a big, big detriment to future success. And again, I understand this because I wasn't out myself. So there is a possibility that he is, in fact, autistic, has mentioned it at some point, but has since said, hey, guys, 
I'm not going to talk about that anymore ah. because he's an intensely private man. Right. But we have a lot of uh, information about him and we can talk about uh, this man who created such an autistic phenomenon. Yeah. And I was going to say whether he is or isn't or wants to be outed or doesn't, it's very clear Pokemon and even that holistic person recognized it when they said there's a special place in hell because it creates an obsession. Pokemon is a central part of autistic culture. It just encapsulates everything. And I remember the first time I heard that Gotta Catch Them All, I I actually remember my mom had a Hummels collection. Do you know what Hummels are? (laughs) Yes, yes. Tiny little child figurines. They're tiny little child figurines. I don't know why. But my mom had this case and I want to say it was, I don't know, let's just say 30 spaces. And but there are not 30 Hummels. And I remember at like two or three years old, there were like two spaces left. And I was like, how do we get all the Hummels when there's only two spaces? I could still picture that like case that she had on the wall. And I was very worried because you can't just have some of the Hummels. You have to have all all of the Hummels. And when I heard got to catch them all, I was like, you do have to catch them all. I understand this. And that is why I was up at 2 a.m. dragging my eight-year-old because I thought I could catch one more Pokemon, a rare. There was a rare. We have to leave the house. Exactly. Exactly. And that speaks to us as being completists. That speaks to us as doing the research. And this this is identical to Satoshi Tajiri's childhood because other children called him Dr. Bug. Oh. Because he needed to collect all of the bugs. Oh, he spent I get it. All of, he spent all of his time out in nature getting new bugs. And this is a big thing that led him through his life. Uh, and until he was a teenager, he was very, a very, very avid bug collector and a budding uh, entomologist, uh, entomologist, uh, the the people who confuse bug, bug entomology guy. and entomology bug me. Yeah, but yes, uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so as a teenager, he became fascinated with arcade games, and he he really really liked stuff like Dig Dug and Space Invaders, and he got into a uh, a place where his parents were very very confused about his future success because he was so intensely interested that he created his own fan magazine that he self-published with a, a guy that uh, later became the artist for Pokemon. Uh, he he bound it together. He wrote all the text. This other guy did all of the, uh, the uh, art and he called it Game Freak. And for people who are aware of Pokemon. Game Freak is the publisher of the Pokemon franchise. It's, well, the the author of the Pokemon franchise. Nintendo publishes it exclusively, but Game Freak is the company that creates it. So Game Freak was originally this magazine about uh, cheats and tips and Easter eggs and all of these really, really, really deep dives into uh, coding and into the way that the games worked. And he he went in and he dissected the code and learned about how to code video games. And he wanted to make a better video game. And this is where he finally said, you know what would be great if we had tons of tons of tiny monsters and you could collect all the monsters and you could learn about the monsters and you could study the monsters and this is what a big thing about the appeal for autistic people is the ability to categorize and collect and research because I've, I've if i've said it once i've said it a million times we autistic people we need our libraries we need our museums we need our animals we need our gardens and we our need, excel spreadsheets please yes exactly <laughs> because we have to have all of the data we need to understand the world around us uh, especially with you know the whole the uh, uh, intense world theory, making the world chaotic for us. We thrive on understanding. We thrive on this monotropic focus into great detail about the world around us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Satoshi Tajiri uh, created this company and the company worked for six years to perfect the Pokemon games. And during this time, he didn't take a salary because he was just doing it for the love of the game. 
He lived off of his parents' money and he just worked and worked and worked. And during this time, uh, he would have really abnormal sleep schedules, uh, sleep for maybe 12, 16 hours at a time, work for 24 hours. Because again, uh, speaking of which, I saw you up about five hours ago in the middle of the night. So weird sleep hours, my friend. That is, that is intrinsic to us because we, we just do not, we have, uh, so our circadian rhythms are impacted by our neurology. Mm. Uh, we have a thing called delayed sleep phase onset, which may make it easier for us to stay up at night. We also have, we tend to have sleep apnea. I have sleep apnea. I've got a BiPAP machine that keeps me alive during the night because my body just stops breathing. Mm. But at the same time, I will... The other night I slept for like 18 hours in a row. And last night I slept for like four, then couldn't get back to sleep. So I got on the internet and just... And see, I was eavesdropping. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I finally uh, crashed again and was able to get sleep. But this segmented sleep is a big thing about us that a lot of health issues come from the lack of sleep. A lot of concentration, depression, anxiety can come from a lack of sleep. And there's, there's a lot of these other things that are commonly part of the autistic experience that ballistics don't understand in that regard. But this is a thing about him because he would work and work and work and work and then crash and then work and work and work and work and crash. But because that sounds like monotropism too. Like I, exactly. that's what I, if I'm into something, why would I sleep? I'm in the middle of something. Exactly, because he was, and this is something that I'm going to talk about more in a little bit. He was in the flow, the capital mm. F-L-O-W, because when he is in the flow state, he cannot stop. We, we refer to this as autistic inertia, because mm. a body at rest stays at rest, a body in motion stays in motion. And to outsiders, this may appear to be bipolar, because, because of our monotropic focus, our brains are like freight trains. They're either stopped or they're traveling 150 miles an hour with 15 tons of raw inertia behind it. And they cannot stop. They cannot change direction. They cannot slow down. Mm. So this so is the way that the man works. So are you saying it looks like mania to people? It does. It does. Especially when we get <gasps> I into... I know that. Especially when we get into the autistic euphoria. Mm -hmm. Because we get so happy and so excited about these things. It's very confusing to outsiders. And this is one thing about giving kids the shiny Pokemon. Because when I present kids the one Pokemon that they can't get, oh my God, they danced and they screamed and they ran around the room because it was the greatest thing ever. I gave a kid a, so there in Pokemon Go, there is a Melmetal and a Meltan, mm -hmm. and two Pokemon exclusive to Pokemon Go. And there was a kid who did not have Pokemon Go and he was having meltdowns and he was having all these other things. And I said, well, I'll make you a deal. If every time you get emotionally distressed, which was often, remember, Mr. Matt will give you a melt metal. And I like the alliteration on that. Mm. And so this kid for two weeks would say, Mr. Matt's going to give me a melt metal. Mr. Matt's going to give me. So he, he, he went from having three or four meltdowns a day to like one over two weeks. Because he was able to say, no, got to call myself, got to call myself, got to call myself. Gotta. And that became a monotropic focus of learning this calm before he got to that point because he needed the mill metal. Right. And indeed, I gave him the mill metal and it was the greatest day. He screamed. He ran around. This kid nearly peed himself because he was so happy to fix that hole in his collection. And between all that, we learned about teaming emotions as a Pokemon trainer because as anyone with a Charizard knows, Charizards are very temperamental creatures. It's true. Charizards only respect the highest level of trainers. Charizards, uh, any Pokemon respects a trainer with a high level badge. Again, we got to collect the badges because that is the way of our people. Uh, but that's the thing. Pokemon listen to trainers that they respect and we have to 
train our emotions. We have to train ourselves. And in doing so, I became a Pokemon trainer for my many Pokemon kids Hmm. in teaching them Hmm. how to manage these things. And they learn new moves. And I, I still have the original Pokemon battle theme on my phone from one kid because every time he got super into a, uh, a meltdown state, uh, I would play the battle theme and say, a wild Bob appeared. <laughs> <laughs> Matt used therapy. Therapy is ineffective. <laughs> and Matt used humor. It's super effective. <laughs> and so this kid, whenever he heard the battle theme, it, it, somehow triggered the love of Pokemon and he got out of the meltdown state because he could not stop but finding it amusing that he himself was a wild Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And that was the key to getting all of this together. And these days, uh, he's a relatively happy, healthy adult. Love it. Because... Again, this Pokemon really speaks to us because uh, Satoshi Tajiri understood this. Uh, He was a big fan of anime. He was a big fan of video games. He cited the legendary Shigeru Miyamoto as a major influence. Shigeru Miyamoto is perhaps the Leonardo da Vinci of video games. He created Mario. He created Zelda. Uh, the, the first level of Super Mario Brothers 1-1 to this day is a master class in game design because the way he designed it, he wanted people to learn it without an instruction book because Mario, you can move left, but the screen won't move. You can move right and the screen will move, but if you go left, you can't go back. So it teaches the player that you have to go forward. And then you have all these blocks and you can jump and you might accidentally hit a block and question mark blocks. You realize that some neat stuff is in there. And then you hit this uh, little Goomba and you say, is this my friend? You run into him, you die. And you say, oh, perhaps he's not my friend. Mm -hmm. So you learn to jump over the Goomba. You accidentally hit a block and another mushroom comes out and you can't escape it. And then you get big and you say, oh, some mushrooms bad, some mushrooms good. Mm -hmm. And you learn about all this stuff by doing through experience. And uh, Satoshi Tajiri said that, again, this is so legendary. This man is such a design legend that uh, he he sought him out and Shigeru Miyamoto took Satoshi Tajiri under his wing and taught him about level design and taught him about how to make good video games to the point where in the Pokemon anime in Japan, the protagonist is named Satoshi and his rival is named Shigeru. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Gary. Gary Oak is uh, Shigeru in uh, in English, and uh, Ash Ketchum is Satoshi. So this is the reason why you know you have the protagonist and the antagonist because they have a very they have a rival sort of relationship that pushes each other to get better, just like Satoshi Tajiri and Shigeru Miyamoto. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowerylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that L-P-P, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowrylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. Satoshi Tajiri drew a lot of influence for Pokemon from the real world. For instance, his favorite Pokemon, Poliwag is based on a translucent uh, uh, tadpole where you can see their little spiral intestines in their belly. And a lot of Pokemon are based on real-world bugs, on real-world animals. Sandshrew and Sandslash are pangolins. Uh, Caterpie is a real-world caterpillar. Of course, there's dragons, because who wouldn't want a dragon, right? Love Uh, me a dragon. Again, real-world dragons. I I love dragons. Yeah, and so this is the thing. He would work for 24 hours and sleep for 12, and he finally created this wonderful, wonderful game that he called Pocket Monsters because he could take 
monsters in his pocket. Yay. So when they went to release this in the U.S., there was already a franchise called Monster in My Pocket of teeny tiny little figurines of monsters that people could carry around in their pockets. So they shortened it into the portmanteau Pokemon. I did not know that's what it came from. I yeah. thought it was okay. All right. Yeah. And this is why Pokemon has become a worldwide phenomenon because of the simplicity, because of the drive, because of this extra work by this man. And he himself worked on condensing all of the code to make sure that all 150 Pokemon fit on a single cartridge because he he wanted to have uh, a certain... He wanted to randomize it and have certain Pokemon here, certain Pokemon there. He eventually made it so that there was, in Japan, green and red because there's a, a thing about blue and green in Japan. But anyway, uh, Japan had green and red the U.S. and the rest of the world had blue and red. And some Pokemon were on one cartridge, some Pokemon were on another. And he wanted people to seek out all of these secrets and find where these Pokemon were, find that some Pokemon were here, some Pokemon were there, and use the link cable to trade them just like he wanted to trade bugs with people. Mm. Because that way he could fix his collection. And when he did all this code condensing, he had just enough space left for one secret Pokemon. And he decided it would be fun to have a secret. So he created this Pokemon named Mew. And uh, I actually have a Mew figure right back yeah. and behind my original Game Boy. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. But uh, Mew is only accessible through a glitch or through a, uh, a secret uh, giveaway. And when people started finding this secret Pokemon, all of a sudden, the, the nascent internet of the, uh, the late 90s started lighting up and word got out of all the secrets and the mysteries. And this game that Nintendo had initially written off and said, oh, yes, it's just going to be another Game Boy uh, game. It was late in the Game Boy life cycle. They didn't pay much attention to it. All of a sudden, it became a worldwide phenomenon because of all this extra attention to detail. Detail. That's what we do. Attention to that's detail. The thing. And, and that's the thing, because in the years since... There has been more and more and more attention to detail given. Now, uh, as of the second generation, people can breed Pokemon that uh, get different IVs and EVs uh, to get these different levels. It, and you can breed Pokemon in order to have a Pokemon that is ideal for battling or ideal for pageants because there are Pokemon pageants within the game. There are all sorts of these Pokemon contests within the game. So there's all sorts of ways to play Pokemon that are not just battling. But the main way continues to be cataloging and researching mm. and understanding because you are tasked by a Pokemon professor because he himself is Dr. Bug. And I might add that the description of autistic kids are little professors because our goal is to research and understand and get as much data as possible on literally everything that we love. And that is the way of the Pokemon. And it feels so good to have that information in your head. Like there is like the Pokemon battles and which one will win and who has more power or whatever. But I think if you're looking at this from an holistic perspective, it's like, can we get to the game? But for yeah. us, the game is like on the cards. Oh, oh, it's a psychic Pokemon. It's this type of Pokemon. It does this. It does that. That is part of the game. I mean, the battle's cool. That's a piece of it. But that's not, it's not, this stuff isn't extra. This is fun. I know for me, one of the things that I do is just like, I love looking for the patterns. And I, and yes. I always look for, not just in Pokemon, but in everything, mistake. I don't know why I like looking for mistakes, but I like looking for breaks in the pattern. Yeah, You yeah, cannot yeah. find it in Pokemon. Oh, no. That shit is buttoned up. It is. Because it is. once you start to see what he's doing, or I don't even know who's doing it, but it's just like, wow, it's solid, it's seamless, and it's so robust. And yes. It, and that's the fun part. I mean, yeah, 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 battles, but it's not just about the objective of the game. It's about living in the world. Exactly. And this, it becomes immersive. And there is one interview where Satoshi Tajiri did say that he wanted to create a, a, a world for autistic children. And uh, again, there's nothing 
there's nothing that I can find on the internet that specifically says, hi, I'm Satoshi Tajiri and I'm autistic. Pleased to meet you. But he does say that he wanted to create this world to live in. And this is a big thing about, you know, this holistic dude who says that Pokemon is the devil because it creates this world that kids want to be enveloped in Mm. this but this ties into the whole concept of what we call flow psychology. Hmm. Flow with a capital F, pioneered by this man named Mihaly Robert Csikszentmihalyi, a Hungarian-American psychologist who passed away in October 2021. He, he, was, a, he was a big proponent of what they call positive psychology. And when he studied... Uh, when he studied the concept of flow, he came up with a few things, but this is how uh, he wanted to uh, initially define it. All right. And he's Chick once said, repression is not the way to virtue. Uh, is this, is this where we're going or you want me yeah, to go? Yeah. Yeah, rep- yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. I'm very surprised by this quote. When people restrain themselves out of fear, their lives are are by necessity diminished. Only through freely chosen discipline can life be enjoyed and still kept within bounds of reason. And this is a big thing for how we enjoy our special interests, our spins, because we... We put order upon it. We do this not for the sake of extrinsic motivation, not for the sake of other people. We do it for the sake of ourselves. We do it for the sake of to be the very best, like no, no one, one ever, ever was. was. And this is the thing. So it. So this is another quote about uh, Csikszentmihalyi and his work. In his seminal work, Flow, which we'll put the link to in the show notes, uh, Csikszentmihalyi outlined his theory that people are happiest when they're in a state of flow, a state of concentration or complete absorption with the activity at hand and the situation. It's a state in which people are so involved in activity that nothing else seems to matter. And what's really neat about that is that subsequent studies have shown that People in a flow state enter a state of meditation and our brain waves switch over from alpha waves to theta waves. And when you are grinding away in Pokemon and trying to be the very best, this causes this flow state. And this this causes our, our total relaxation, this total meditation. And when people play Pokemon or play an RPG or read or go out into nature, whatever helps you enter a flow state, you are ultimately relaxed. This is very, very healthy for you. This is very a way to reduce stress, reduce tension, to be the best that you can possibly be. And uh, so... Yeah, and the- like, it's interesting because I love that uh, the idea of like doing it, not just because it's not about winning, it's about being in the flow state. Like, it's exactly, that, exactly. like, that's what I was saying about it. it's not about the battles. It's about like being in the world. And then like, yeah, I like winning, but there's, it's, I'm not motivated by the winning. I'm motivated by the flow. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's the thing, because it's not, I want to be the very best, not I want to be the champion, because the champion isn't the end goal. The champion, uh, the, the goal is to be best to be better than you to be to constantly improve and this is a thing about us and our interests and our collections and our books and everything because if something is worth doing it's worth doing to the absolute best of (laughs) our possible abilities and to increase our abilities so that what we do today might seem like crap in 15 years but it's better than 15 years ago and we continue to improve and to improve and to improve and this is the ultimate goal to refine ourselves and so Csikszentmihalyi through his studies said that a certain type of person is more likely to enter a flow state because let's face it neurotypical people have a very difficult time entering a flow state Mm -hmm. a lot of neurotypical people don't understand the flow state so he said that a certain type of person with an autotelic personality is more likely to enter a flow state. Ooh. And he said, these are the traits of a person with an autotelic personality. Let's dive into the autotelic personality. Uh, he said, these traits include curiosity, persistence, low egotism, and a high, 
propensity to perform activities for intrinsic reasons. People with most of of these personality traits are said to have an autotelic personality. The term autotelic comes from two Greek words, auto, obvi, meaning self, and telos, meaning goal. Ooh, being autotelic means having a self-contained activity without the expectation of future benefit, but simply to be experienced. (gasps) There's a word for it. And this is the thing, because again, when this holistic man was talking about how bad Pokemon is, he didn't understand anything about the autotelic personality because Pokemon, there's so much to learn. There's so much to understand. It piques our curiosity. There's so much out there and so much to do. We have persistence in order to achieve everything, in order to understand. Uh, In uh, uh, one of the recent Pokemon games, I, I have not yet started Scarlet and Violet because... I am I'm very, very busy these days. I own them, but I have not yet played them. But in the Sun and Moon, uh, no, no, not Sun and Moon. Oh, what is the most recent one? Ah, uh, so, but, but anyway, in one of the most recent Pokemon games, there is there is this way to evolve a Pokemon that you have to be in a certain part of the world and circle around a rock three times while having this Pokemon in your party. And then the Pokemon spontaneously evolves. And again, there's all sorts of bizarre, crazy things like that. In one of the older generations, you have this squid that only evolves at a certain level if you're holding the Game Boy upside down. And again, all these mysterious, crazy things to do, there's secrets to discover. And this gets your curiosity peaked all over and your persistence to learn all the secrets, your persistence to be the best there ever was. Low egotism means that you're going to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting and keep learning and keep learning and keep learning, even though you might lose. You might lose a battle, but this is a big thing that Satoshi Tajiri put in there. He didn't want the animals to die because that would be sad. He just had them faint. So you could take them back and revive them, give them a potion, and they're okay, and they're good as new again. Because again, he loves his animals. He's a big fan of his animals. I agree. So this low egotism means that you keep going and keep going and keep going, and this high propensity to perform activities for intrinsic reasons you're doing it for the sake of doing it. You're not doing it because Satoshi Tajiri will come to your house and give you a check. You're doing it because this is the way. Right, and or even to win the game. It's, and, yeah, yeah. And that's not to say it's not fun to win, but there's something else happening with us. And yes. I think when holistic people are like, get to the, can you get to the point? Can you get to, this kind yeah. of relates to mazing. In conversations. Yeah. So like in, in a conversation, you're trying to get from point A to point B, whatever Goldilocks eventually had the porridge, whatever happens. But we really go for the tributary. So yes, we're trying to win the battle, but if it wasn't fun to read and be a part of all the stories along the way, then the battle itself isn't that fun. I mean, it's fun, but it's not that fun. And so I think there's a connection between what the way we storytell and using mazing. And, you know, sometimes people will say we interrupt I certainly interrupt myself as well as other people. Um, but that the interrupting is fun for us. Like it's making connections. It's like, oh, and this and this and this. Like I almost interrupted you, but didn't. But now I'm going to. When you mention being in a certain point in the world and spinning around the rock three times and then you turn into someone else, you literally yeah, yeah. described my wedding in New Delhi. Huh. I got married in India. It had to be at a certain time. Our wedding was at 3.26 a.m. because that's when the stars were aligned. And then I had to walk around a fire seven times, three times counterclockwise and four times clockwise. And then I became a wife. So... Oh, that's neat. I was like, I evolved. That's awesome. So, yes, amazing in action yes. right there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what you learn new things through amazing. You get all these interesting details. You go off on these tangents that you didn't know you wanted to go down and you learn all this new stuff. This is the way our brains work. We are parallel processors in that regard. And this is this is a big thing about us that holistics can't understand because that's not how the the holistic brain works. 
When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. So this intrinsic motivation, this this flow state, it turns out, surprisingly enough, that this is the method of creating a successful video game. Oh, handy. Uh, the primary goal of the game is to create entertainment through intrinsic motivation, which is related to flow. That is, without intrinsic motivation, it's virtually impossible to establish flow. Through the balance of skill and challenge, the player's brain is aroused with attention engaged and motivation high. Thus, the use of flow in games helps foster an enjoyable experience, which in turn increases motivation and draws players to continue playing. As such, game designers strive to integrate flow principles into their projects. Overall, the experience of play is fluid and is intrinsically, psychologically rewarding, independent of scores or in-game successes in the flow state. <sighs> and this, this appeals to the autotelic personality. This appeals to the way our brains work. This appeals to how we function. In contrast, this is why a lot of workplaces are not autistic friendly. Mm. Because a lot of workplaces go directly against the flow state, go directly against the autotelic personality. Because... So this is, these are three things that employers do wrong. Uh, so th we, th th this is how we best function in a flow state, right? And this is Chicksick Mihai on this? Yes. Okay. Yes. The activity must have clear goals and progress. This establishes structure and direction. The task must provide clear and immediate feedback. This helps negotiate any changing demands and allows adjusting performance to maintain the flow state. Good balance is required between the perceived challenges of the task and one's perceived skills. Confidence in the ability to complete the task is required. Ooh. Because Chicksick Mihai says that unless you get this very clear, very aware you know, view of your own progress to say, yes, you are indeed mastering this skill. You can't achieve when, when you know that you master it, when you feel good about mastery, you can take on the biggest challenges and you get into the flow state immediately because you say, yes, this is my skill level. I rock this. But if things are ambiguous, because again, holistics tend to be ambiguous in the workplace of, yes, you get your paycheck. You're not fired today. We'll see about tomorrow. It's, it's not suited towards the autistic personality. Uh, and in fact, Chicksick Mihai specifically said this. In his chapter, Why Flow Doesn't Happen on the Job, Chicksick Mihai argues the reason that flow doesn't occur is that the goals of one's job are not clear. He explains that while some tasks at work may fit into a larger organization plan, the individual worker may not see where their individual task fits in. Second, Limited feedback about one's work can reduce motivation and leaves the employee unaware of whether or not they did a good job. When there is little communication of feedback, an employee may not be assigned tasks that challenge them or seem important, which could potentially prevent an opportunity for flow. And this is a big thing that I have experienced in my life because, again, working in community mental health for a decade. There, there are all sorts of people with different styles. There are some people that are very hands-off. There are some people that were micromanaged. There's one in particular employer that wanted to install a tracking software on our personal phones to make sure that despite having two graduate degrees, I was at my job when I was supposed to be at my job instead of just saying, oh, yes, we trust you because you have two graduate degrees. But listen, and, Matt, that is very common now. Yeah, very it's insane. Common. Most people this, are tracked at work. And that's the thing, because 
yeah, this is part of the holistic management style, and that's why it doesn't work for us. Uh, it, it was ambiguous until somebody says, oh, yes, you're doing a bad job with that. Like, well, I didn't know I was doing a bad job. When I was doing autism testing, they said, oh, you're not doing theory of mind testing because ah. autistic people don't have theory of mind. Ah. And I was like, I'm going to disagree with you on that. But again, I was... I, I, I was disagreed with because the person, uh, and again, the person in charge told me, Matt, you can't diagnose both autism and depression or autism and anxiety because all autistic people have depression and anxiety. And I was like, well, I do mm. now. Thanks. The curse of Simon Baron Cohen strikes again. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. But that's the thing. When, when we're looking for accommodations in the workplace, it requires a different way of thinking, a different way of understanding us because, and this is a thing for all employees because it is possible for neurotypical people to enter a flow state. It, it, it's easy for us to enter a flow state, but again, these conditions must be met. If a workplace wants optimal performance from its employees, the flow state is the way to do it. And again, when I'm working on my own now, when I see people and I do therapy with autistic people, when I do autistic evaluations, when we're doing the podcast, when I'm doing trainings, I am in the zone. I know my stuff. I'm proud of my stuff. I continue to research. I do, I, you know, I'm up late at night doing mm -hmm. more research on autism because I love learning about the tisms. And this, this ability to share such information, this ability to get into the zone and learn more about autism than I knew yesterday, mm. to learn new fun factoids, to be able to share these facts, to have this very podcast and share all this information with listeners. This makes my job worthwhile because I am in the flow. This I want to be better than I was yesterday. I'm not competing with any other practitioner. Uh, I, I know several other autistic practitioners and we all talk with each other and we all help each other become better because it forces us to get better. We, uh, that, that phrase about a rising tide lifts all ships. Mm. This is the thing. The more we learn, the better off we all are. And this makes us all better people and better practitioners because we get into this flow state. And that is what Pokemon and indeed lots of video games are all about. A heart so true. Our courage will pull us through. You exactly, teach me exactly. and I'll teach you. Pokemon, gotta catch them all. Okay, I had a moment. <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's it. That's the way. And yeah, Wait, this, like this I have is... literally cried listening to that theme song. I'm like very emo about it, but it's like it, 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 it. That song makes me feel so seen. That's the thing. And it, it doesn't seem like it should, because when you look at it, and I'm actually not that into anime. I'm not that into video games. Like, those aren't my spins. But um, this one in particular, like, there are a few that are like, oh, I can get in there. And this one, I like, I so feel Ash. Like, I feel like we're friends and like, I so feel that world. And when I, I like, I've listened to that song over and over again, it gets stuck in your head. It's very earwormy. And it's like, what an amazing world that would be. And when you're playing yeah. Pokemon, you're in that world for like, you're in Ash's world. You're in that world for a little period of time where everyone can get into flow easily and everyone is intrinsically motivated and everyone wants to win, but also no one really minds losing. And yeah, people faint, but they don't really die. And it's like, that's a world I want to live in. That feels nice and cozy. Exactly. Exactly. And, that, and this is, if anything else, uh, whether or not Satoshi Tajiri is autistic, Pokemon is definitely representative of the flow state and representative mm. of our people. Yeah. So data, research, details, all uh, it this is prime autistic culture and it's so fun to celebrate what that looks like and how it feels when it comes together. When a plan it's so good when a plan comes together. That's how I feel about Pokemon. Exactly. So that, that that's the autistic culture. I so love it. Uh, 
Angela, what is your favorite thing about being autistic this week? I wish I could tell you that it was playing Pokemon. I did not play Pokemon. <laughs> I did not play Pokemon this week. Um, what's something yummy and autistic that I did this week? Well, actually, I'll, I'll go down this route. We talked about it a little bit before recording the show, but my son is a junior in high school, so we are doing all the college things. and. Um, I tend to collect more data than my child normally needs about everything. And so what I did, because this is normal, is I went to all, this is really fun though, all of the high schools in Washington, D.C., they have an Instagram page where they post where all the kids went to college. It's kind of fun. There'll be a picture. They'll be like, Danny is going to Michigan State. Molly is going to Carleton College. So I went to each of these Instagrams and then I cataloged where every single child committed last year from all the colleges. And then I ranked them by what percentage of kids from which school went to top 20 colleges and maybe 50 other rankings. Um, so I did all different like types of schools, liberal arts schools, U.S. News and World Reports. And it is a very robust spreadsheet. And I had so much fun making it. I did not care. I was very um, intrinsically motivated. And so, or I was autotelic in this process. I had so much fun doing it. I told my husband and he was very like, that's nice, honey. He was like very supportive. <laughs> but this was the most fun thing about being autistic this week. I sent it to my child. Not only did he say thank you, which was weird. He was like, this is really cool. Thank you. He then told me he shared it with a whole bunch of his friends and they were like, this is amazing information. And he was like, mom, I got to thank you again for that spreadsheet. And I was like, I have done the data mining that only an autistic mama can do. So mom's in the this DC the area. This is the way I got some 411 for you. If you would like to compare your child's SAT scores to that of children accepted by high schools similar to yours, I have crunched the numbers. But it that really is. was fun to have it accepted, which usually it's like, mom. So. That is some excellent data acquisition and presentation. Well done. That's what I'm here for. So uh, I have really loved this trip down Pokemon Lane, Matt. Thank you for taking us on this journey. My pleasure. I will see you next week. Yes, we'll be back. And by the way, uh, we'll put some stuff in the show notes for you to check out. Make sure you can see Mew and see if you like Mew. And tell us who your favorite Pokemon is in the comments. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Thank you.